Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. We are in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. We're going to begin reading at verse number 9. The Bible says, Do thy diligence to come unto me. Now Paul had made mention of this earlier in the book. Uh, In the first chapter, he says in verse number 4, the first chapter, he says, Greatly desiring to see thee. Now we see we're we're in the fourth chapter and it's a bit more of an urgent request. And we're not told the exact purpose as to why he wants him to come. But Paul also says this. He also says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Let's turn back there. 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. If you've ever been forsaken like Paul's been forsaken, or if you've ever been afflicted like Paul's been afflicted, if you've ever been through severe trial like Paul's been through severe trial, what do you want? You want a friend to come unto you. You want a companion. You want someone to what? To lean on. Proverbs 17.17 says, A friend loveth At all times. That's when you know you've got a good friend. Sometimes you just want to get some final counsel. You want to get some final advice. Before you head off. Do thy diligence to come unto me shortly. Proverbs 27 verse 9. The Bible says. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend. By hearty counsel. Sometimes you need someone to come unto you. To give you just a friend to lean on. Sometimes just to get some good hearty counsel or some advice from. Um, who's Paul speaking to? Timothy, right? Timothy wasn't confined to just one area either. It's okay for preachers or ministers to go and go help another preacher out or or, or just come and spend some time and those things are, are natural and normal too. So you're not confined to just one area. Verse number number 10. Uh, Do thy diligence come shortly unto me. Verse number 10. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica. Demas, he's also mentioned in Colossians 4 and in Philemon. He's mentioned as a fellow laborer. Now imagine you've got someone you've labored with for the cause of Christ. Now you're in prison or you're in a time of trial. You're in a time of suffering. You're in a time of need. You're longing for some Christian fellowship. And then, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, Demas isn't coming. He forsook me. We've all been in situations where you long for someone, right? You're lonely. You're in despair. 
something's going on in your life, and then a Demas pops up, and then you're reminded, yeah, he's not coming either because he forsook him. And we see also in verse number 10, look at that, having loved this present world. That's the same old, same old, isn't it? But what a horrible reason to forsake a brother in Christ. People and children pay attention especially, but people all over this nation, in this world, they fall in love with earthly physical things here on earth. And in doing so, good, well-meaning Christians fall out of love for the Savior who so loved them and saved their soul. We live in a physical world. We're distracted by physical things. We're trapped in a physical body of flesh. What can't we forget? This present world, it wants you to fall in love with it. It does. And in doing so, you'll lose the joys that Christ has for you by offering you spiritual abundance. Who wants peace? Who wants joy? Who wants patience? Who wants long-suffering? Who wants goodness and gentleness and faith? But you put something physical out there. Who wants wealth? Who wants fame? Who wants recognition? Who wants expensive clothes? Who wants... And people will line up. That what they see, they get, they, it's a physical world. Don't fall in love with this world. We need things to survive. We do. We want things. We like things. Let us not get it out of focus. But the pull of the world is strong. Let's see. Let's get another perspective in Ephesians 2. Let's get Ephesians 2 and let's see what the Bible says here. Ephesians 2, verse number 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. If you're a born-again child of God, that's the course that you took. That's the course that you walked. According to the prince, the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That spirit is still working right now in the souls of lost men and women. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, or by nature, the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who was rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, ye are saved. Isn't that a strong enough pull to want to live for Christ? This is how you used to walk. This is the spirit that's working right now. God loved you and He saved you by His grace. Don't let this present world pull you off course. Okay, what else does it say? Let's go back there. Second uh, Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse number 10. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And then it says, and is departed unto Thessalonica. 
It might be safer to just say Demas wanted to live. Maybe he didn't care about all the worldly stuff. Maybe he didn't care about the fame and you know all the worldly pleasure and, and the wealth and the money and all that. Maybe he just didn't want to stay with Paul anymore. He didn't want to sign up for martyrdom. Time for me to leave. Bye-bye. <laughs> so he departed unto Thessalonica, a place of safety. Paul's in a real mess. He's in a real pinch. Maybe he just loved the comforts of this world and he just wanted to live a safe life. No doubt Paul was grieved by this and he felt lonely. There are some people who just seem to sign up for grief and misery and despair and just the way that the choices they make, they just seem like, man, that's just the way they go. <laughs> and then there's other people when it's no fault of anybody's, they just end up on a hard time. Not by a poor choice, not by a series of bad habits that have just become... It's just life gets tough. And it's natural to want to have some safety and some comfort. You know, there are also those that there's, there's good men that can preach. They're good preachers that understand the Bible, that they know doctrine, but they are scared to leave their little bubble of comfort and their little bubble of safety, and their little net of friends, and their little... They're not bad people for doing it. But to step out of what is comfortable, to step beyond the safe place, to step beyond what is easy for me, an easier life, a safer life, a more comfortable life, it's not something that Demas wanted to sign up for. So he left. He went into Thessalonica. Some good men, they just don't want the grief that goes along with the ministry. Demas, he didn't want the grief that went along with Paul. <laughs> Love you, brother, but you just are in too much of a who's right and who's wrong. I don't know. <laughs> All I know is that is the case with a lot of people in a lot of relationships. That new church plant, that's great. It's fresh. It's new. It's, it's, it's alive. It's, uh, there's not really a lot of people there. I don't know if I'm going to fit in. I, are people wrong for thinking these ideas? No, they think these ideas. I can just go to ABC Church. It's already established. There's 100 people there. I can slip in. I can slip out. I'm not going to feel uncomfortable. The preacher isn't going to ask me a million questions. It's safer. It's easier. It, are they bad people? Of course they're not. They're normal, rational people. It's Paul is a rare breed. He's a rare breed. Demons forsook him. And now, what do we have next? Crescents to Galatia. All right, he's mentioned here one time, and he's mentioned because sometimes parents are looking for a good rare Bible name. And so there it is, Crescents. All right. 
Verse number 11, only Luke is with me. Luke traveled with Paul. Now he's with him at the close of his life. And practically speaking, we all need a Luke in our life. A traveling companion. Someone for accountability. Loneliness. Somebody to bounce ideas off of. In Colossians 4.14, Luke is called the beloved physician. It helps to have a medic with you when you travel. You know what I do for a living? We host these, these events. and uh, You know one of the most valuable staff members to have at a jiu-jitsu tournament? It isn't the director. It isn't the owner. It isn't the referee. It isn't the manager. It isn't the registration worker. It isn't the weigh-in scale worker. It isn't the awards person. You know who it is? The physician. The medic. Somebody gets hurt. Don't call the owner. He don't know what to do. Don't have crazy mama run out onto the mat. Oh, little Johnny. She don't know what to do. (laughs) But the physician knows what to do. The medic knows what to do. He can patch somebody up and the show can keep going on. Imagine somebody getting hurt at an athletic event and there's not a physician there. There's not a medic there. There's not an EMT there. There's not a first aid person there. Everybody's looking at each other, picking their nose because nobody wants to do something that's wrong. (laughs) He's bleeding. What do I do? That's nice to have a physician travel with you, huh? There's some benefits to that. And then it says, take Mark. And bring him with thee. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. He was profitable. Mark brought some money. No, he didn't bring money. He was just a, he was just a, a traveling companion. All right? Another traveling companion. And it, it doesn't say exactly how he was profitable. But it says he was profitable. Probably spiritually. Probably with offering companionship and advice. But look, look at this. Go back to Acts and get chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, verse number 36. Acts 15, 36. Let's look at here uh, what the Bible says. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. If there's something we can learn here, they had a bit of a a little tiff going on. Good men, godly men, believe the Bible, love God, and he says, no, you take Mark. You know, sometimes there's just brothers that just their personalities don't mend. They don't match. Um, sometimes there's sisters that they just, they, 
this, they don't, it's not a match. You go that way, you go that way. And everybody's better off. They did it in the Bible. <laughs> Sometimes there's nothing wrong with that. But you know what we see here? Whatever this sharp contention was, they got it right. Because he's saying, where's Mark? If there's something between you and someone else, get it right. Most of the time, it's not that big of a deal. All right, where are we, where are we now? Verse number 12. Antichicus have I sent to Ephesus. Tychicus, he again, he accompanies Paul as a fellow missionary. I believe he went with him on his third missionary journey. And Colossians 4, verse 7, calls him a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. We all need those. Just a brother that or sister that can love us and have a fellow servant in the Lord. That's great. Look at verse number 13. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. The cloak. Paul is imprisoned. It's going to be a cold winter. The jail that he's in doesn't have central heat. Can you bring me my old cloak that's in Troas? My old buddy Carpus has it. Go grab it. A couple of points we're going to park here on this cloak. Number one, nobody's got a cloak for him to borrow. He's in jail. Do you know how forsaken you would feel if you find yourself in a dungeon jail, cold, dark, lonely, and nobody's got a jacket for you? That's a real sense of despair and forsakenness. But as patient as he can be, I've got a cloak. It's a couple hundred miles from here. I'll just wait. Just, I know Carpus has got it. Tough, tough, tough. How are we all doing with patience? <laughs> How irritable do we get when the temperature drops and we got to rush to the thermostat? In your greatest trial, you will find your truest friends or your fewest friends. <laughs> Somebody's going to run and go get Paul a cloak. And the, uh, the second point I want you to draw your attention to with this cloak is Paul's not begging. He owns a cloak. It's over in Troas. Carpus has it. I'll wait for it to arrive and I'll be thankful for what I have. We don't have a lot here. We don't have a lot of church members. We don't have a lot of church visitors. 
We don't have a fancy building. We don't have a fancy piano. We got something that we plug in. It's electronic. It's, I don't even think it has weighted keys. We don't have church chairs. We have folding chairs. We don't have pews. We don't have much. But we can thank God that we got a place to meet. And we can thank God for what we have rather than focusing on what we don't have. Don't let your spirit forsake God. Don't let your countenance drop. Don't get weary in well-doing. Just keep going, going. Just keep doing. Just keep trusting God. Don't, look, don't throw your brain out the window, but think through things and learn to be thankful as we move forward for the Lord. Is it tough to do? It is. I'm not in jail tonight. You're not in jail tonight. I have a coat. You have a coat. Don't let little Johnny go out in the cold. He needs a coat or we'll catch a cold. How about throw little Johnny out in the cold and let him, uh, let him play outside for a little bit until he gets too cold. That was Paul in jail. No cloak. And he's not whining. I'm too, it's too cold out here, mom. Shut up. It ain't cold. I had an instructor and I'm not kidding you. Kids, I'm not kidding you. I'm cold. No, you're not. Be quiet. He would get up every morning. I'm not, I'm not making this up. Every morning. And he'd take his son outside with a two and a half gallon bucket of ice cold water. And him and his son would dump that bucket of water over their heads. I'm cold. It's, it's a refreshing way to wake up. People complain they're cold. People complain they're hot. People complain. Maybe you're not supposed to say shut up from the pulpit, but don't we complain a lot? Saying shut up from the pulpit can't be any worse than people complaining all the time, can it? <laughs> Sorry, dads. I know you teach your kids. Don't tell your sister to shut up. And now the preacher's saying it. I'll work on not saying that and, and, and we'll all work on not complaining that we're too cold. Paul's cold. The third thing, we having fun? Every, the kids okay? <laughs> Number three, close don't make the man, the man makes the clothes. Paul wants enough to keep himself warm in a cold dungeon, and that's it. That's a man. Our Lord Jesus Christ was stripped and hung on a tree and bled out to pay for the sins of the whole world. Paul's experiencing a bit of destitute, nakedness, coldness, loneliness, just as you or I would. And then he says, and the books, but especially the parchments. Paul can't preach. Paul can't teach. You know what he does? He reads. I want my books so I can read them. 
All the experience that Paul has, everything that Paul's been through, about all he can do right now is try to warm himself up and get some books to read. Bring me the books. I think I'll do some more reading. I'll think I'll do some more learning. I mean, what you think back, wouldn't it be neat to Senator Paul? You know, and here's a guy saying, I need to learn more. I need to read more. I'm not going to pout. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to complain. Bring me my books and the parchments. People say, I only go by the Bible. That's funny. Paul read books. The Bible's our final authority. There might be a book that can help you. that might be based on biblical principles. You have to learn how to filter everything that you read and everything that you learn through the Bible. Every preacher that preaches gives his comments on the Bible. I am commenting on what the Bible says. I'm not the Bible. I'm trying to help glean out some truth of God's word for all of us to understand. When I listen to preaching, I'm listening to someone who's commenting on the Bible. When Sister Caroline teaches the kids Sunday school, you know what she's doing? She's commenting on a verse of scripture from the Bible. There's a, there's a book that's opened up, has Bible principles in it. Paul's reading books. He's asking for books. Here's what I'm trying to say. It's okay to read books. It's okay to say, bring me the parchments. 1 Timothy 4, verse 13. It says, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation and to doctrine. It's good to read. Give attendance to it. We saw that way, way back in 1 Timothy. Give attendance to reading. When fishermen aren't fishing, what are they doing? What do we see in the Bible that they're doing? In Matthew 4.21, let me read this to you. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them. They're not fishing. They're not, they're not out at sea casting their line trying to fish. They're not casting their nets trying to bring fish in. You know what they're doing? Mending their nets. All right, it's not time to preach. It's not time to fish. It's not time to teach. It's not time to cast nets. What's it time to do? Mend the nets. Let's get some books. Let's read. Read the Bible. Read other books about the Bible. What is mending? When a fisherman mends their nets... They're correcting their nets. They're altering them for the better. You know what we do when we read? We learn. We alter ourselves for the better. We learn a little bit more truth. They're not fishing. But when they're mending their nets, you know what they're doing? They're still improving. They're still improving. Don't forget to read. If you're sick and bedridden, you can read. If you can't teach or preach, you can read. If the ministry that you're active in falls apart, you can still read. Kids, if you're getting in trouble for the same thing over and over and over again, maybe grab a book and read. 
it might help you figure something out. Verse number 14. Look at this. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. You have an Alexander the coppersmith in your life? If you have it in the past, you may now. If you don't now, you may have in the future. Sometimes it's best to just let the Lord deal with that person. There's going to be somebody, if they haven't come already, if they're not coming now, in the future they're going to come and they're going to try to do you much evil. Let the Lord deal with him or her. Look at verse number 15. Of whom be thou aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. Paul's saying, look, he's in opposition to the gospel, and he is in opposition and has been withstanding me. So look, be thou aware, be warned, he will withstand you. Paul, in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is giving Timothy a warning. I'm telling you, this Alexander guy, he withstood me. Just don't let your guard down. Beware. He's going to do the same thing to you. It's a warning. He says, don't try to teach this man. He's not teachable. Avoid and watch him. You think you got something going on, man. There's no good churches in this area. And we saw that you're starting a church and you're a King James Bible-believing church and you believe this and you believe that. and Yeah, there's no good churches. And you know, they start coming. And then you find out that they can't stay in any church. There's people like that all over America. So the question is, are you not coming to church because there's no good churches or you're not coming to church because you just can't get along with any brothers and sisters in Christ because there's always going to be something that you're going to have to withstand. You're coming to here to look to find a point of contention so you can strive with the preacher. You got 20 things of doctrine that are high priority that we're eye to eye with, we're walking lockstep and barrel with. But you found the two things that we see it different and we and they're going to blow that thing up. So I can change I can change the doctrine to keep a family. And then lose good families. And what you do, you just spend your time changing and changing and changing and changing and changing. And Paul says to Timothy, look, Alexander, the coppersmith, he withstood me. If he shows up at your church, I'm telling you, man, he's going to withstand you. Don't fall for it. Watch him. Warn him. And there's people that wait for churches to pop up. They'll find you in the parking lot. And they'll get you after service. And they'll, the whole bit. They just like to withstand. And that's Alexander the coppersmith. What I'd like to do, what I'd like to start doing is 
helping people find a church that's for them. Our church isn't for everybody. Obviously. <laughs> everybody isn't here. But look, if you believe in Calvinism, why not be a good guy and try to find the guy at church that teaches that? Rather than stay here and keep withstanding me and withstanding us and trying to break up, why do that? Why not just find a church that agrees with you? <laughs> but people withstand. We want to have good hearts about these things. I'm not trying to be rude. But to some people you got to watch. And Paul is warning Timothy here. Of whom be thou where also? For he hath greatly withstood our words. There's going to be people publicly. They will be aggressive and they will be persistent in their opposition of the gospel. In their opposition of the Bible. In their opposition of biblical principles. We see that all around our world with lost people. There will also be preachers, false preachers that have the skill of oratory and have the charisma to be able to attract people to them that will give them a false gospel of health, of wealth, of prosperity, of don't worry, God's just going to forgive everybody in the end that we need to watch and be warned of. Well, I don't need to hear this part, preacher. I, I know, I know, I know. Paul, Timothy, the best of men are being warned, are told to be on guard, are told to beware. You don't think there's an Alexander in every good Bible-believing church that's just waiting to come in? Paul dealt with him. He's telling Timothy the same thing. It doesn't matter if somebody's nice and smiley and all the southern hospitalities are in line, it doesn't matter. You got to get to know the people. You don't want to be on guard your whole life, but you need to get to know people so you don't fall into an Alexander situation. Lastly, let's get Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. We will close with this. Starting at verse number 27. Matthew 27, 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. They bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, they had mocked him and took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. When they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots. 
that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my they parted my garments among them. Upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. You got a Savior that suffered shame on the cross. He was forsaken by his own people. Suffered, bled, died, stripped naked to hang there on a cross. People withstood him. People mocked him by bowing the knee and making fun of him. Ah, Jesus, King of the Jews, as he's showing the greatest love that can be shown, and he's dying for their sins. Paul's got no coat. He just wants a book to read and something warm to put on. He's imprisoned, he's been beaten, he's been mocked. Nothing like Jesus going to the cross. You and I have to get out of our comfort, safety nets and maybe spend some time mending, maybe spend some time reading and not forgetting. Why was Paul doing what he was doing? He just wanted people to know about Jesus. Why is Jesus doing what he's doing? Because he loved the world so much that he was willing to go through that. So you know what? Somebody might withstand you. Somebody might mock you. Somebody might spit at you. Don't forget Matthew 27, 27 through 37. What Jesus went through for you and I. That is why we do what we do. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for taking all the mocking. Thank you, Lord, for going through the crucifixion. Thank you for shedding your blood on the cross. Giving us the victory. Help us to get a hold of that in a real way so we can live our lives for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.